Welcome to Swartz Talking Sports. I'm your host, Les Swartz. We have got a special show today. It's our Super Bowl extravaganza week, and I'm actually going to have a co-host tonight. We're going to bring in Al Chester, former quarterback of the Florida A&M Rattlers and current voice of the Rattlers broadcasts in football and basketball. So we're going to bring Al on real quick. Al, how are you? Hey, good. Doing good. Happy to be here, man. It's going to be a great Super Bowl. I can tell it. I can feel it. I can feel it. And we're going to start it off this week with an amazing guest. So before we bring him on, let's have Tony, our producer, run the reel, and then we'll bring in tonight's special guest. it back to Venice. Venice springs to the goal line. Touchdown, Pittsburgh. Airbus. That's our special guest, and tonight's show, Sports Talking Sports, is the terminal, and we have rolling in the bus, Jerome Bettis. Jerome, thanks for coming on, Sports Talking Sports. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. All righty. Well, I know we got our special guest, Al. We did introductions a little bit earlier. Uh, I'd love to get started. First of all, I want to let everyone know out there, normally we do the question and answer. Unfortunately, tonight, we only have Jerome for a limited time, 30 minutes. He's on his way to Vegas uh, to partake in Super Bowl festivities, and we'll get his picks by the end of it. So please comment and let us know, and hopefully we can have Jerome come back. And I know we get a lot of Steeler fans and Golden Domers out there that want to ask questions, but please comment, and we'll definitely uh, pass that along to Jerome. So, uh, Jerome, let's get it started real quick. Uh, you're a uh, Motor City boy, Detroit, uh, McKenzie High School. Your memories? Well, I mean, I, I had a um, uh, an interesting childhood in the sense that I I didn't go through the normal uh, means in terms of getting to the the NFL or even getting to college. So I, I didn't play. I didn't play Little League football, so my first time playing organized football was as a freshman in high school. So that was a little bit unique in the sense that you know everybody had these dreams of playing the NFL. I never had those. Um, my goal was to get a college scholarship, and that's the only reason I started playing football. I was a bowler, a very accomplished bowler, and so I bowled up until – my freshman year. So I decided that I would stop bowling to give football a chance because I felt I, I would give myself the best chance to get a college scholarship if I played football. Um, and so that's kind of how my career started off. I didn't, didn't even, I didn't even want to go to the NFL. That was never the goal. I wanted to get to college. And once I got to college, then the possibility um, kind of, became real that that was even uh you know in the cards i never even thought that that was in the cards for me al uh i think jerome made what, the right decision oh no doubt about it i tell you what jerome let me let me ask you this man as a high schooler what did you play what position did you play and then um what kind of success did you have obviously as a high school great question uh, great question so my my freshman year I was a linebacker. My sophomore year, I played tight end and nose guard. And it wasn't until my <laughs> third year, my junior year in high school, that I actually played fullback and linebacker. And after my junior year, I had really good a really good junior campaign. But after my senior year, I really I had a huge senior year uh, at linebacker and at at uh, fullback. So as I finished my high school career, I was the number one fullback in the country and I was a number two linebacker in the country. Wow. Uh, so I was being recruited from, you know, all different types of schools because of the different skill sets. I was 235 pounds. 
Um, and I, I ran a four, four, eight. Uh, and so it was, it was speed, it was size. Uh, and so a lot of, a lot, most teams wanted me to play linebacker, if you can believe it or not. I just thought I was too short to play linebacker, uh, possibly. And I was a prototype from a fullback perspective. I was, you know, right at five eleven, six foot, uh, you know, pretty fast, really good size. So I just thought I would go. I would be better off playing fullback. Question: uh, Outstanding. That is. I mean, that's. I mean, at that at that size and that speed, uh, I would not want to be a linebacker trying to tackle you. But so, what what led you to Notre Dame? I mean, I'm, I'm, you got a lot of you know offers from major colleges. I'm, I'm sure yeah. you went on. I'd like to know your five visits, including Notre Dame. But what ultimately yeah. got you to Notre Dame and your first impressions of Lou Holtz? <laughs> okay, so. What what got me to go to Notre Dame was well, a couple things. One was as I was being recruited, um, so it came down to the, the, the first. I'll tell you the five schools that I was you know taking the visits. The, the five schools were Tennessee, Colorado, USC, Michigan, and Notre Dame. Well, oh, after I, I I went to the I went to I went to Michigan first, I believe. I went to Notre Dame second. I went to USC third. I got sick at USC um, because I went out there in January and the the uh, the weather was it was chilly. But coming back from from Detroit, you know, I thought you know sixty five was was like a t shirt weather. So I got sick, and so I ended up canceling Tennessee. I canceled Colorado. Um, but the reason I, I took all those, I wanted to go to all those schools were because each school really had a, a fullback that I that I kind of followed and watched in that position was important. Like um, the USC had Leroy Holt, I think his name was. He was mm-hmm. a, a fullback that was there, and um, Jared Bunch was at Michigan, and and um, uh, we had a, a couple that was at Notre Dame. But the key for me was. I was a, a a fullback, but I knew I wanted to carry the ball a little bit. So it was about the offenses that gave the ball to the fullback. And so Tennessee and or Tennessee it was it was a little bit weird why I chose Tennessee. I don't know why, but I wanted to go to Tennessee and see it. It did not happen in Colorado. They ran uh, kind of a wishbone type offense. It, 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 it really wasn't a true wishbone. It was a two-back, but it was an option offense. Mm-hmm. And Michigan had a guy named Leroy Horde who yeah. had been a fullback, tailback type of guy. So they kind of sold me on the possibility of me being a kind of a, 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 a tweener, a fullback, tailback. And then Notre Dame, their offense was centered around the fullback. So that in that offense, the fullback, when they went three wide receivers, the one back became the fullback and not the tailback. And then the tailback had runs out of the single back where, you know, he had some some runs that were independent of the tailback. So I just thought in looking at all of these that the offense for Notre Dame fit me the best, which it would have given me the ability to run the ball, block, and catch the ball out of the backfield. And none of the other schools really was going to give me the ability to do that. And then Michigan, it came down to Michigan, Notre Dame. Michigan had just signed the number one tailback in the country. Uh, So I knew that I was going to be secondary to him because obviously they wanted him to get, they were going to want him to get the ball. So I said to myself, if I want to have any chance of getting the football, I probably need to go somewhere else. <laughs> well, you made a great decision, Al. I mean, no. I, but look at the backs, no. Al, that he played with out there. Yeah, no doubt about it, Jerome. I mean, uh, talking about the the running back room. Talk, tell us about that running back room. Number one, and then number two. Who did you pattern yourself after as a youngster growing up as a running back? It's funny because I, I didn't know any any of the running backs. So I, I mean, the only time is as a kid. The only time I watched football was on Thanksgiving because in Detroit, this the Lions were always on 
television. So we always watched that game at, at my grandmother's house. And then we would always watch the Cowboys game. So I, I became a Cowboys fan and not a Lions fan because the Lions would lose and the Cowboys would win. So I became a Cowboys fan. And but 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 that was it. So I didn't really know you know anybody but you know uh Tony Dorsett obviously and and um it, it wasn't you know it, it, I just didn't have the visualization of seeing any of these running backs. So I didn't really pattern myself after anybody because I really hadn't seen it. But once I started, you know, watching and getting into football, you know, I, I start watching Earl Campbell and and those guys. But but I mean, Walter Payton was was amazing. Obviously, playing the Lions, we played him twice a year, so I got a chance to see him. He was you know incredible. But it was just one of those weird things where I didn't really have that that person that I kind of modeled my game at because. I never watched on Saturdays and Sundays. I was in the bowling lanes. Saturday, I was at at, at the Coke and Bowl, my my league. And Sunday, I was at tournaments all over the state. So I was never watching football. Well, as Al mentioned, I mean, you That's just amazing. had an incredible array of running backs. I mean, a list of who's who that actually went on and had successful careers in the NFL. Now, your first impressions of, of of Coach Holtz. I know there was like, you know, he could be tough on some players, right? I mean, he was kind of a – he played little uh, mind games with some of the players at Notre Dame? Yeah, yeah, he was he was tough. He was a tough customer. You know, he always – he was always trying to get the best out of you. And and obviously, he did it in, in you know, many different ways. Sometimes you may agree with it. Sometimes you don't agree with it. But – it was it was one of those you you ultimately appreciated what he was doing. It was probably usually it was after the fact um, because he 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 either embarrassed you or he uh, he made it difficult on you. But but it was one of those at the end of the day, like I said, you benefited from it because he found a way to 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 push you harder and harder and make you a better football player. Yeah. Jerome, Coach Holtz was actually a, a disciple of Woody Hayes. My college coach, Rudy Hubbard, and Coach Holtz were on the same staff together. And Coach wow. Hubbard also played those head games as well. I think it was Woody's way, man. That's the way they roll, man. But they got the best out of their football players, and it all worked. That's right. It all worked. You can't. You couldn't complain with it. He got the best out of me. Uh, he made me a, a you know, a, a very ferocious, uh, aggressive, you know, one speed kind of football player that I was always attacking, attacking, attacking. Uh, and so when I go back and look at it, had it not been for me going to Notre Dame, I don't think I would have went to the NFL because, like I said, that was never the goal. But Coach Host was pushing for more and more and more uh, and really wanting to develop me into the best version of myself. And <clears throat> later in my career, my last year, he put me at the tailback position, which at that point I had never, ever played before. And so I, you know, for three or four games at the end of the season, I played tailback, you know, to, to kind of wind the clock down and, you know, that four-minute offense where we just pound it. But outside of that, I had never played tailback before, right? So he kind of opened my eyes to that, and he showed I, the in, in NFL that I could play tailback, not just fullback. So, you know, thanks to him, I was, even, I was able to even have a career in the NFL because I thought I was going to be probably a fullback and I know nothing wrong with it. I, I love the position. So I thought that's what I was going to be kind of, uh, uh, you know, running it every now and then, third down, catch it out of the backfield, a lot of blocking. That's what I thought my career was going to look like. Well, you had a tremendous, tremendous career. And that culminated in 1992 in the Sugar Bowl, a memorable performance by you and the team beating the Florida Gators. I think you rushed for 150 yards. You averaged over nine a carry. And in the span of like two minutes and 44 seconds, you ran for 100 yards and three touchdowns. I mean, it was incredible. And we were actually able to. Uh, Tony's going to be able to uh, throw this up there, and maybe you can narrate a little bit. I think we've got a, a clip 
of your 49-yard touchdown run against the Gators that pretty much sewed things up. Yeah, it was just a simple trap right up the gut. And what was happening was Florida was being really aggressive, uh, you know, trying to get the trying to get the ball back. And, you know, Coach Holtz knew that they were going to be, you know, ultra-aggressive. And so you know, he called that, that trap and it just popped. And then there was really one guy, the safety, and he had a kind of a bad angle. So I kind of th- went by him. And and kind of turned the Jets on after that, and there was a uh, there was nobody that was going to catch me. Al, as a quarterback, I've got to ask you: you have to love a guy like this in your backfield. Oh, no doubt about it, man. When you got a skill and a talent like Jerome Bettis' backfield, you just hand it, hand him the ball and just sit back and watch him do what he do, man. But I tell you what, when I'm listening to his story, I'm thinking about this guy was a bowler. He didn't <laughs> play football to his junior year in high school. He's 235 pounds. He runs a 4-4. Man, you got us. That's that's incredible. That's an incredible story. Go to Notre Dame. Go, I mean, and tears it up. I mean, it's that's unbelievable. Most kids, yeah. you know, play pop one and they grow up playing the ball game. But hey man, you were a bowler. And I mean, where'd you get the speed from? I and mean, where all that come from? You know what? It was it was a, a blessing. I think the my mother's side of the family, they my mom's brothers, my uncles, we, we had some really talented uh, uh, family members. And they were they were all really good and all had had success in high school. My uncle was a high school football coach in the city of Detroit. So I, I had, you know, there was some, the, the, the athleticism was there. I was just using it in a different sport. <laughs> and so once uh, I was able to, to kind of identify that um, I had the skill set that was um, that was much needed in the football world. It, my career really took off because up until that point, you know, obviously I didn't know anything about football, and you know, it took me a couple of years. But once I figured out and found the positions that really worked for me, that that, that my junior year, that's when the, my career really took off. Question for you, Jerome. Why leave your junior year and enter the draft? Was it was it just time that you had thought you might have done everything you could at Notre Dame from a football perspective? No, that that another great question. So what happened? So after my sophomore year, there was rumblings about me possibly petition petitioning the NFL to leave early as a sophomore because that that tape that you showed. Uh, was was my sophomore year that when I, we played Florida, and after that game, there was some clamoring about he's ready to go to the NFL right now. Right then, I think I was about two hundred and forty five, two hundred fifty pounds at the time, and so they said, "Hey, this this kid, he's big enough, he's bad enough, he's ready to play in the NFL." But I was only a sophomore, so. People thought I was going to petition the NFL as a sophomore to come out. And I'm saying to myself, I don't even know you can, uh, you know, go to the NFL early. I didn't know you could leave as a junior, much less as a sophomore. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, I'm not ready to go to the NFL. I don't even want to go to the NFL right now. So that's kind of how it it started. The idea started in my head my sophomore year because people said, you need to, you need to think about it. You need to think about it. So, Going into my junior year, then there was a little bit of buzz about that. And and then after having a really good junior year, then there was, you know, projections and these type of things. And obviously coming living in Detroit, you know, we, we were a family of, of little means, I'll say that. Uh, and so the opportunity, I could not ignore it. So... We did our homework, checked it out, you know, went to, uh, you know, went went to, got physicals, checked my body out, made sure that there was nothing that if I decided to leave, there was nothing that was going to hinder me. Um, And then I, you know, you talk to some, some uh, NFL scouts and they tell you kind of where you are positioning and where they see you going. And at that point, it looked as though I was going to be probably a top 20 player. 
uh, I said, you know what? Let me give it a shot. But I needed to talk to Coach Holtz, right? And so he was the the person I needed to convince, if you will. So I'll never forget. I go in Coach Holtz's office. Me, my mother, my father, and we're meeting with him. And and he says to me, "Well, Jerome, I know why you're here, and and." I do believe it's time for you to leave and test yourself at the next level. I think you've done everything you can do here at the University of Notre Dame. It's time for you to move on. And I was shocked. I was shocked because he had just the day before told another guy who was a junior that he he wasn't ready yet and that he needed to stay a year, right? Mm-hmm. And so I'm thinking to myself, oh, boy, here it goes. He's going to tell me the same thing. And – I was shocked when he told me that I I needed to leave. And so it was like, you know, uh, unbelievable moment for me. And then obviously I put my name in the draft and, and uh, was selected with the 10th pick. Incredible story. Jerome, you know, when, when you talk about football and how the game's evolved, talk to us about uh, your thoughts on how the game has evolved and, and watering down the running back position uh, at both at college and, and pro. What, what are your thoughts on that? So l- l- people people don't really understand what, what has happened. Let me explain what has happened uh, because people think the running back position is devalued, and it's not really the case. What's happened is about – about 15 years ago, 12 to 15 years ago, the game changed in college. So the colleges were, they were struggling playing the the Blue Bloods, you know, the Georgias, Alabamas, Michigans, Ohio State, the, 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 the Blue Bloods, right, that, that ran this conventional offense, the Oklahoma offense, Nebraska. So what was happening was, they started to struggle finding the players, and the game changed. They went to three wide receivers, four wide receivers, right? And once they went to the three to four wide receivers, they said, we need a smaller back because now we're not going to play with a fullback. We're going to have a one-back offense, and we're going to go, instead of going north and south, we're going to go east and west. Right. And and we're not going to be a power running team. We're going to be a zone running team. Right. And so now all of a sudden the emphasis was not on running downhill. <clears throat> Excuse me. And because of that, these coaches said we don't need a 230 pound running back anymore. We rather have a five, eight, five, nine, 205 yard running back who's much quicker at going laterally. And so he's going to be able to hit those holes laterally. So what happened was these college coaches said, "We don't. I don't want that guy that's 225. Let me go get the guy that's 205. Well, the 225-pound running backs, they said, well, where you want me? Well, we want you to play linebacker. So what happened was those guys outside of the, the top-tier guys who were able to go to Georgia, Alabama, uh, it's only about six or seven schools, Georgia, Alabama, Ohio State, Michigan, uh, USC and Wisconsin of all the places. Those are the few teams that still go with the power running back. They 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 don't have a problem with the big running back. And so as it stands, the outside of those schools, the philosophy has changed. Well, the problem with that is who looks for the who looks for talent in the college ranks? The NFL does. Well guess what? That that prototypical 225, 230-pound running back, well, guess they don't exist anymore because the colleges aren't preparing them for the NFL. You can only go to four or five schools to get a running back nowadays. And, and as a result of that, you had to start going with two platoon of running backs. You have a guy who's a, a pass-catching guy and a guy who's a runner and smaller guys, but you don't have a feature back. So now I can't pay a guy that's really a, a one or two down guy. I can't pay him 
the way we used to pay running backs that were three down running backs. So that's been the problem. And through the years, it's become more and more of a problem because you just don't see the big back in the college ranks anymore. So now when it's time for you to draft, you don't find them. But last year, you saw there was two outstanding running backs that had really good size, great speed, great ability, and they both went in the first round. And they both had sensational seasons. So it doesn't – so it's not that it, they don't exist. I mean, well, it's not that they don't – the NFL doesn't want them. It's just that they, they're not out there in abundance like they used to be when – in my era of football, every team had a 225, 230-pound running back, and and it's just not the case anymore. Yeah, that's that's actually a really good observation because I, I think you're right on with that. Now, I know that you had talked about uh, being drafted by the Rams, 10th overall, first round, and you have an, you come out of the shoots incredible. First team All-Pro, you finish second in rushing in the league, and, and you're playing well with the Rams, and then the trade. Right. You get traded to mm-hmm. which a lot of people forget you played with the Rams, you know, because you yeah, really know is a, a number 36 with the Steelers. So getting out of L.A., I know Rich Brooks came in as the coach. He kind of changed the offense a little bit. Were you kind of looking at saying, yeah, this isn't for me? And, oh, you know, did you just think that maybe the time was right to just get out of town and maybe go to a better situation? Yeah, I, I knew the time was right. He wanted his own type of system. He wanted his own running back. And so I knew it was in my best interest to uh, to get out of there. So I, I went to the organization after my third year there and asked to seek a trade. They gave me permission, and uh, my agent started the process. And it's interesting, the story, because there was two teams that was interested in trading for me at that particular time. But my agent, he had a college player that was to be drafted, um, and he was the, the number one running back uh, on the board. So my my so the two teams that were interested was the Pittsburgh Steelers, who had just lost the Super Bowl to the Cowboys. Mm-hmm. They were picking thirty one because they just lost the Super Bowl, and then the Houston Oilers. They were picking like 15. And so my agent, he says, hey, I would love for you to go to Pittsburgh so I can get my guy a, a, a higher pick, which made sense. Um, but all the time, I was thinking the best place for me to go is Pittsburgh because they love big running backs. They love running the football. It's a blue-collar town. I just knew I would fit in that type of uh, offense. So it was one of those, let's go to Pittsburgh. So I was able to decide where I was going to go. Usually a trade happens. You don't have the luxury of knowing where you're going, where in this particular case, I was able to to, to decide because both teams were willing to give a second and a fourth round pick. And I was able to choose which team. That's Outstanding. You're on, uh, and, and the player, Eddie, Eddie, the play, hold on, the player that Houston picked, Eddie George. Eddie George. Yes. Eddie yeah. George. Yeah. Worked out good any, for both any teams. Comparison it worked out for both teams. Was, any, any comparison to you and Franco when you got to Pittsburgh? Uh, I mean, coming behind him like that, having, uh, he had a great, great career there. You a big guy like him. You ran the ball like uh, like he did. Big, fast guys. Any comparison uh, from the fans and the well, folks? I, I don't know if there was a comparison as much as he kind of opened the door for me as a big running back, and I, I believe that's why they didn't. They were enamored with the big running back, and so they didn't have a problem with that idea, right? So he was really the catalyst for all of that, uh, had he not done what he did uh, throughout his career, it would not have given me the ability to be in Pittsburgh because they fell in love with the running game uh, because of Franco Harris. And so that's the, that's what gave me the ability to come in, kind of step in, and the city appreciate me 
because I wasn't the guy that was going to break off an 80, 90 yard touchdown run, but uh, I, you know, I was going to give you consistent running all game long. We was going to have some physical games, but the fans loved it. And so that's what made, made me, uh, I think really special in Pittsburgh. First year, Jerome out of the shoot in Pittsburgh, 1,431 <laughs> yards, 11 TDs, first team all pro your first year. And, I know that I, I have to ask you this question because we've got some video on this. When you went and played the Rams the first time as a <laughs> Pittsburgh Steeler, is there any like you just want? I don't know if that's true for all athletes, but when you went back and played the Rams, was there any? I, I want to show you guys what what I can really do. Is there anything that you really and, and you can show? We're going to show a little bit of a clip here, and we've got some of your runs in that game against the Rams. How were your feelings towards the Rams during that first game when you played them? Oh man, it was. Uh, my, it, it, I was on cloud. I was on cloud nine. I'm telling you because part of of the reason that they got rid of me, the coach he said I wasn't a game breaker, and so for me it was one of those. Okay, I want to show you that I'm a game breaker. I want to show you I can do exactly what you think I can do. Uh, and so in that game, I had a fifty yard, fifty. I think fifty yard touchdown run. And I did exactly what he said I couldn't do. I wasn't a game breaker, right? And in that game, I showed him exactly what I was capable of. And so that was the best part of all of that was that the very next year, I got a chance to silence um, the question marks that the coach had of me. And, and so that was one of my proudest moments because – Obviously, as a football player, the one thing that you um, you always wanted to be wanted, right? And people love the fact that I went to Pittsburgh, but in my mind, there was one team in the NFL that did not want me, the team that got rid of me, right? So that's what I'm thinking in my head. I'm like, okay, I got to show them that why they made a mistake, why there's no way in the world they should have gotten rid of me, right? And so that was my moment to show them that they have made a huge mistake. Yeah, that's motivation. Jerome, it's, it's Super Bowl week, baby. What's your most memorable moment from the Super Bowl? Uh, holding the trophy and and giving it a big kiss. I'm telling you, that was outside of the, the kiss I gave my wife when we got married. <laughs> that was probably one of the most <laughs> special kisses to be able to, to give that, that trophy a the big old kiss, man, because my whole career was about trying to win a championship and it had eluded me for 12 years. And so to be able to do it in my hometown in my last game, it was a very special moment. Eighth all-time when you when you retired, still eighth all-time career rushing, 13,662, 91 touchdowns. You even threw three touchdown passes, which a lot of people probably don't know. And I know we're wrapping things up. I know you've got to go. And we really, really are, are, are super excited to have you. And we really um, glad you, you stuck around for a little bit. What is Jerome Bettis doing now? Well, now I have a, uh, a foundation and, and, I, and, and I'm so thankful for you guys. Uh, I see that the, the website is up, but um I have a foundation and we work under privilege and at-risk kids. And really the, the goal is to, to try to, to pay it forward. I was an at-risk kid growing up in Detroit and there was a foundation that supported and helped me. Um, and I want to do the same in hopes that I inspire someone like I was inspired and, and make a difference in their life. So that's, that's kind of where my, my purpose or my focus is. I, I'm involved in a, a couple businesses. I've been fortunate from a business perspective, but um, my passion is the foundation and the work that we're doing. Before we let you go, I have to ask Wrong. you this question. Al, real quick. You got Junior. Uh, he's a tremendous wide receiver. Mm -hmm. uh, any any hints as to where he might be wanting to go <laughs> in 2025? Come on now. Hey, how about LSU? No how about LSU, Jerome? Come on. I idea um I, I really don't have any idea it's it's very interesting what's what's happening um with him uh it's fun obviously to see him uh enjoying this opportunity in these moments but um really i have no idea he's still um 
you know, going through the process, going to different colleges, seeing different colleges. But Notre Dame is definitely one that I'm I'm saying, hey, don't forget about Notre Dame. So uh, I would love for that to happen. He, my, I have a daughter. She's a freshman at Notre Dame now. So I would love to have both kids there. But um, ultimately, it's his decision. It's a decision that he's going to have to make because he's going to have to, to live there. So uh, I'm a, I will allow that to, to kind of play out, and we'll see what happens, ho- hope, hopefully, by um, the, the middle part of this year. Excellent. Good luck with that. Al, anything uh, for Jerome? Yeah, Jerome, Jerome, before you get away, man, I got to ask you a couple of things. Two things. One, how's your body holding up? You you ran with a lot of reckless abandon. One, two, uh, tell me about that your, your golf game against Vince Coleman. He told me to ask you that. <laughs> and uh, you got you to gotta let us know. You're swinging the golf so club. But physically, how's your body physically, physically, the body is okay. I mean, obviously, uh, I did a lot of heavy lifting. So the body is, is it is, it is a little beat up. I, I cannot uh, tell a lie. But it's it's in, I'm in the place where I can still do everything that I want to do. I love golf, so I get the opportunity to play golf as much as I can. So I'm not um, in that bad a shape. Uh, but in in the sense of uh, Vince, I beat him. I beat him uh, one time, and then I got an opportunity to to beat him a second time. And I think he's. Uh, He's taking. He's uh, he's a little upset with me right now, so he's looking for some payback. But but by the time he sees me again, my game will be sharp. I will be ready for him, and uh, I'm gonna have to put him down again. <laughs> Don't my tell man. him I told you All that. Right. You know Al's. You know he's Al's watching. gonna reach out to he's Vince watching. on that. You know he is. I know. I, I'm he's watching. There he's watching, Vince. <laughs> Vince, you heard he's it. Watching. Rematch. Well, listen, Jerome. I, I know you got to run. At real quick. Who's your pick, San Francisco or Kansas City? Listen, I love San Francisco, but I would be a fool to bet against Patrick Mahomes the last two games. No way I thought he was going to go into Buffalo, beat Buffalo, go into Baltimore, beat Baltimore. But he did it, and it wasn't even close. So as much as I like the 49ers, I cannot bet against uh, Kansas City. So your guess is as good as mine here. I I don't know. I I like the guess. I'm, I'm I'm rooting for the 49ers, but... I cannot take anything away from uh, Patrick Mahomes and, and that Kansas City team. Nah, well, they, well, they better learn how to cover Kelsey one, uh, you know, uh, with yeah, two guys, not one on one. We're also going to, uh, for your foundation, we're also going to, uh, I'm going to send you out a jersey helmet. We're going to have you sign it. We're going to auction it off uh, and put it up here for a month or so, and then hopefully we'll, we'll, we'll get some good money. And uh, for your foundation, we'll get it right back to that. So I appreciate you offering to do that for us. So thank you so much. And we'll no be problem. running them. We'll be running all show long in our future shows. Uh, we'll be running those in uh, the, uh, the the links. So we appreciate it. Thank you. Appreciate it, guys. All right, Jerome. Safe travels to Most Vegas. Yeah, man. Thank you. All right. We thank Jerome Bettis for coming on. We'll be right back with more Al Chester and Benny the Book after this. Sports. I'm Les Swartz and uh, joined by my special co-host tonight, Al Chester former Florida a and Rattler quarterback, quarterback, the championship team, 1978, and now currently the uh, play-by-play with the Rattlers basketball and football broadcast. And look who we brought in. Yeah, Benny, you must be a hey, happy Al. guy. Hey, Les. You got great to be interview. happy guy. We had Notre Dame on. Buddy? How you doing? Great, great interview, man. A lot of, a lot of uh, fun things to hear about. I'll tell you. You you did you should have asked him what his average was. He might have been you know. If he had bowled one perfect game, he told Alan I he bowled one yeah. perfect game. Yeah, that's uh, that's amazing. Do. But he uh, was he 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 was when he, he was at Notre Dame. They had some stable yeah. of running backs, boy. I'll tell you, at, when he was there, unbelievable. They just kept running them out there. Yeah, unbelievable. I was going to say, I think he had five, five, and plus Dorsey Levens, who transferred yeah, right. to Georgia Tech to Georgia and made Tech. the NFL with the Green Bay they, Packers. Uh, Ishmael was was on one of his teams Rocket also. Ishmael, right? oh yeah, right. well, they had a tremendous team. It yeah. was unbelievable. You know but, something uh, though, I would have liked to seen Al Chester trigger that offense. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, Al. You know you would have lit it up hey, there. Hey, I'm gonna tell you, I had some guys who could get it done too, man. These were big name guys you're talking about there with with uh, Jerome, obviously. But uh, we had, we had some running backs, we had some receivers, and 
guys who get it. But I tell you what, you're right. Jerome was a special talent, played on a special team, and that running back room was pristine. That'd be top flight, top shelf running backs. Well, we're here for this is the Super Bowl extravaganza week. You know, Sunday we've got the Niners and we got the Chiefs and we're going to be doing actually usually we do shows on Wednesdays but you know because Jerome could only make it on Tuesday he's flying to Las Vegas tomorrow and uh, he's got a lot of things going on that he's got to uh, do some uh, you know he's got to do a lot of obligations media obligations out there but we're going to do a show on Thursday as well we're going to bring back Brian Holloway for part two and Al's going to jump on and co-host for me as well and we do some things for Black History Month which obviously is in February and we got hanging proudly behind me the Florida A&M jersey the Rattler jersey HBCU school which Al, uh, I know, is a, a proud alum of and uh, works for. But, guys, let's National talk about champ. National, National champ. Champs 1978 against the UMass Minutemen 35-28. Uh, I'll never forget and that, And then Al. National Champs this year, too. Man. That's right. National Champs this year beating uh, – it was Howard this year in the Celebration Bowl. Absolutely. And, and by the way, Al, I've got to say, just from the team here at Sports Talking Sports, just listening to the broadcast, you were tremendous, but we really, really appreciate – uh, the call-outs. That was super, super nice of you to do that. So we really appreciate that. No problem. Uh, so, guys, the big game. I mean, uh, let's talk yeah, a little bit about it before we get the picks. Al, I want to go to you first. Uh, who do you like and why? And do you think uh, it's you? Know, it's going to be a closely contested game? Or do you think someone's going to run away with this? Well, you know what? I, I like to echo what, what uh, Jerome said. You know, Patrick Mahone is a special quarterback, and he shows up and shows out at the right time. And, uh, you know, I think they got it right. San Francisco is probably the next best team, but you can't okay. you can't count those guys out. You, you, they put their pants on one leg at a time like everybody. I think it's going to be a great game, but it's hard to bet against Patrick Mahone. But at the same time, uh, San Francisco's got that magic, man, so you got to watch those guys too. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hang my hat on Patrick Mahone with uh, with a victory in the Super Bowl. Looking at the quarterback, Sal, I know obviously Mahomes is, you know, if he's not the best, I know he's not going to win the MVP this year. I think it's going to go to Lamar Jackson. But, you know, I think you'd be crazy not to pick Patrick Mahomes if you're starting a team. But your impressions of Brock Purdy and what he's been able to do is, I think he was Mr. Irrelevant, last player chosen. Um, you know, he basically beat out everybody they threw at him in San Francisco. Your impressions of him as a quarterback? Well, I tell you what, he's he's been getting the job done, man. I tell you, last year he got hurt. He hurt his elbow, and had he not gotten hurt, I think they would have probably made a run for the Super Bowl last year. But he's been so poised. He's been a tremendous leader. He makes all the throws, and he doesn't get flustered. And and that's what you want in a quarterback. The guys love him. They respect him. And I tell you what, he's a, he's a tremendous leader. They've done a good job, and uh, I'm expecting him to be – you know, I mean, he's that guy. He He's the guy that could be a difference maker in this ball game. Because, um, but because of the way he plays, I mean, he's well prepared. He kind of reminds me of Joe Montana a little bit. He's got a yeah, little yeah. Montana ish, mm -hmm. if you will. Yeah. But uh, a stylish quarterback that uh, no nonsense. He keeps that same look on his face, but uh, a tremendous leader, tremendous quarterback. How about this? Now they've been able to come back. The knock on San Francisco this year, even though they had a tremendous season and got the number one seed, was. They can't play from behind, but they did against Green Bay and then down 24-7 to to a really good Lions team. They did bounce back. To your point, Purdy did it with his legs, though. I mean, he made a couple of tremendous runs, you know, three runs yeah. that you know got first downs and pretty much salted the game away. Were you surprised at his mobility from the pocket? Or do you think he does have that Joe Montana-esque ability? You know what? You don't need a quarterback to take it to the house like a Lamar Jackson or even like a Michael Vick. 10 yards gets you a fresh set of downs, and that's all you want. And I tell you what, Brock Purdy's shown that he's athletic enough to make the throws. He can pull it down and run it, get 10 yards, slide, and reload, get a fresh set of downs. And that's effective. When you got a quarterback who can run, that puts a lot of pressure on the defense. And I tell you what, he can he can make the throws. he got tremendous talent around him as well. Guys yeah. in the backfield, of course, the running back, one of the best in the business. Oh, yeah. And you got the guys outside who play wide receiver. They can get it done as well. And then I think Kettles, the tight end, tremendous. is the real deal, man. I think yeah, he can get it done, man. And then tremendous. that defense, they stand up and they show up and show out. I agree. That's that's great analysis. I think I think you're right. San Francisco, I think, has the better team, Benny. But I think Patrick Mahomes uh, uh, and Patrick Mahomes, they have the best player, Kansas City. Well, uh, you know, at the beginning of the year, I picked the 49ers to win it all. 
And, I picked Baltimore. And I didn't think, like like Jerome said, I didn't think that he'd go into Buffalo and beat Buffalo and then go into Baltimore and beat and be and beat Baltimore. But he's a special, he's a special talent. He could, he could, he could make these other guys rise above what they are. Uh he had a lot of problems this year. His 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 receivers led the led the league in drops. Mm-hmm. I mean, he would he he probably had a great season and he would have had his MVP season if these guys would have caught the balls. Uh what I what I what I'm afraid of is that if the 49ers get behind Kansas City like they did in the last two games, they're not coming back against that guy. I agree. He he will do what it what it takes to win the game. He, you know, buff, against the Ravens. They 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 got the lead, and then they just did what they had to do. To, he didn't make the he didn't make the turnover to get Baltimore back into the game. Kansas City's defense is a lot better than people yep. think. They got a great they got a great front four. Chris Jones 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 is he's, he's one of the best defensive players, and they got a great defensive secondary that they could cover guys one on one. So. Uh, I, w- I think they got the better quarterback, although I'll be rooting for Purdy, but they got the better quarterback. They got, they got Andy Reid. He, I mean, he, he thinks of these things that how to get, how to, how to get Mahomes into positions so that he just has people apart. Uh, I would go with Kansas city. I can't after, well, after, after them beating Buffalo and Baltimore, I, I, I think don't want to they get your win. pick yet. I don't want to get your pick yet. I don't want to get it. I want to get Al's oh. first. So okay. my special guest co-host, Al Chester, who are you picking to win the game? Well, I tell you what, uh, again, you, you can't bet against uh, Patrick Mahomes. And just like Benny said, I mean, he he makes the other players around him play great. Um, and and because because of that, they got it figured out. He's got the thing figured out between him and, and his head coach. They got that big. Now, now the other piece is going to be interesting to see who has the better game plan. Right. But, but I'm gonna tell you, let's. I'm gonna go with Patrick Mahomes. I'm a quarterback guy. I think he's special, and I think this is that great contest. It's going to be tough for him to lose. He'll find a way to win. Come hook or crook. Do you think it's going to be a close game? Al, come down to the wire. Maybe a field goal. Maybe a late touchdown. I think it can do that. I, I think it's going to be within ten yeah. points. Okay. Yeah, yeah, it, it'll yeah. be within ten. It's going to be. But a I good think game. it's going to be. It's going to be a challenge. I mean, San Francisco's got so much to, like Al said, they're low around Purdy. Yeah. You know, if if he doesn't make mistakes, he 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 he's done it all year except the one game against the Ravens, and that was just a bad game. You know, but he 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 knows where to go with the ball. He's made a lot of good throws. And he's got exceptional talent around him. I mean, it's like, yeah, yeah. Debo Samuels, Mc, Brandon Ayuk, like like Al mentioned, uh, Ayu, Kittle, a yeah, tremendous no, tight Kittle. end. They, they got you know, I I I have a feeling that if Kansas City is able to run the ball consistently, they're not going to stop the Chiefs. And they didn't stop I, I Detroit's like that running because- game. You know, Pacheco is one of those kind of backs right. that is so special as well. He could yep. be a difference maker. You know, yeah. of course, in obviously special teams, you know, three phases of the game, offense, defense, special teams. But yep. Pacheco, the way he runs, he I mean, he runs him. so violently. Violently. I mean, he runs hard. Oh, he runs yep. violently, man, and hard. Yep. I mean, so he'll he'll take some of the pressure off Mahomes right. yep. in terms of he'll make, he'll make that defense respect the run. And I tell you what, I think that that's a great balance for what they're trying to do in Kansas. Before we get the same to thing pick, can happen. Well, no, Ben. Before I get your pick, I want to ask yeah. Al to that question. He just he just basically said it. Does it? Does he remind you? Listen, he's number ten. The way he runs the football, like a little mini Marshawn Lynch. He runs like Lynch, doesn't he? Violently. Yeah, he's a yeah, violent runner. Yeah, man. he that's is. He way. is a violent runner. Yes, that's a, that's a good comparison. Except Marshawn, he. He he runs really hard for a little guy. Yeah. I mean, you know, he's a mini Marshawn. Yeah, he's uh, he's he's tough. And All he's, right, so we, well, we got Al's pick. So Al likes Kansas City. I'm certainly not going to argue with that pick. I think it's a smart pick. All right, Benny, we need a drum roll here. I mean, who are you picking in this game? I'm going to take uh, Kansas City plus the points, and and I think they're going to win the game outright. Oh, Tony with the graphics. Mahomes, he's Mahomes, himself. Mah- Mahomes is on his way to. Uh, 
greatness. And he's it's just another step. He he he's he's so he he's just he's he's such a great professional. I listened to him talk the other day. And he's he's so he's so down to earth. He's he knows he knows what he's doing, and he knows where he's going. But he's not gonna he's not gonna force the issue. He's gonna let he's gonna let his playing do the talking. You know. Yeah. He's just he's he, got to figure it out. Yeah, he just does. So you got I, Kansas I, City, Kansas City. Now there is a question I want to ask Alan. It, it from an athlete's perspective, and obviously this is kind of it was in the news the other day, and I'm wondering. Does it affect Patrick Mahomes in his preparation at all? And I just heard a report the other day on Monday that his dad, Pat Mahomes Sr., was arrested in Texas, DUI, third time. Third time. Does that does this at all affect any of the preparation, do you think, from Mahomes going into the biggest game of the season? Well, you know what? I think he has a tremendous relationship with his father. And uh, anytime anything happens with a family yeah. member – it, it makes you swallow hard, if you will. Yeah. But uh, I think he's a professional. He understands that things happen. I think his father and he will probably have some good conversation if they haven't had it already mm-hmm. and put that behind him. And I'm looking for him to light it up so they can write it up. All right. So that, that's actually I just wanted to get your opinion on that because, you know, yeah. it did make the news on Monday and it was kind of shocking. But, well, we're going to go uh, to a commercial break. But Al Chester likes Kansas City. Benny the Book likes Kansas City. By the way, Al, Benny is going down to Florida tomorrow on his way to a golf excursion for five days. So I think he's going to drive right by your place. All right, right. Yeah, go right down 95, right right through uh, right through Jacksonville area. Yeah, right through Jacksonville. So what we're going to say, we're going to say, Al, we'll see you on Thursday's show with Brian Holloway. Sure. You'll be co-hosting Thursday. And uh, obviously, uh, we'll get Brian's uh, Super Bowl pick. And Benny... Safe travels down to Florida. Let's hope the weather's better this year. Hit him straight, play well, and we'll be right back with the wrap. Al, good seeing you. Welcome back to Swartz Talking Sports. I'm Les Swartz. Again, special thanks to our special guest tonight, Jerome Bettis, Hall of Fame running back, class of 2015. Again, we're going to have Jerome sign a Steeler helmet jersey, and we're going to auction off to somebody uh, for his foundation. So we'll be doing that within the month. Special thanks to Al Chester for coming on and co-hosting today's show. We'll have Al Thursday with our guest Brian Holloway. We'll do part two of Brian Holloway. By the way, if you haven't hit the subscribe button, please do so. We're getting up there. We're inching in on 500, and we've got a ton of views, so we need to hit that 500 spot. So really appreciate it. Comment. Please let us know about the show, how you like tonight's episode, how much you'd like to have Jerome Bettis back, because I think there's a lot more we can do with Jerome Bettis. Uh, for Tony the Tiger Smiraldi, for Benny the Book going down to Florida, for Al Chester and our special guest tonight, Jerome Bettis, this is Les Swartz saying good night. We'll see you Thursday evening with Brian Holloway. Good night, everyone.